Good evening, everyone. Franz Weinschenk here. I'm your host on Valley Writers Read, delighted to welcome you to another edition of our weekly radio program. Oh, boy. And you're really going to enjoy tonight's program. It's all about Josh and Abe, a set of elderly identical twins who just celebrated their 65th birthday and all the great things that are in store for them. The author is one we've had on before. His name is Oscar G. Williams, and he entitles tonight's story, Bucket List. And here to read it to us is Don Weaver. When I get older, losing my hair, many years from now, will he still be sending? Bucket List. Abe, Josh, Marie, and Sarah sat with their four children on Abe's patio. It was an unusually clear day, and the snow-topped Sierra shone in all its splendor across the valley. Was a heck of a party, wasn't it? Abe said. The girls really know how to throw a party, replied Josh. Josh and Abe had just celebrated their 65th birthdays. They were identical twins, the only children of Carolyn and Joseph Adardian. They had lived in the San Joaquin Valley their entire life. Both of them had graduated from Fresno State's agricultural program, married, and each had two children. They carried on the family tradition of farming. There were rumors that due to their great-grandfather's acquisitions, they owned the entire West Side. The brothers often laughed at this accusation over a beer with their fellow West Side farming buddies. Abe said, What do you do when you turn 65? I mean, it just seems like there should be something that jumps out at you, someone anoints you, or puts a crown on your head. Marie, Abe's wife, said, Well, now you qualify for Social Security. Everyone laughed at her comment. Abe's son, Andre, suggested they should travel around the world. And Josh replied, Heck, with my wife dragging me around to see old castles and my business trips to get those foreigners to buy our crops, I've seen enough of the world to last another 65 years. Darlene, Josh's daughter, said, You could move someplace exotic with a real view. You could move to an island in Bermuda or Hawaii. What the devil would we do in Bermuda or Hawaii? asked Josh. You could check out the chicks, said Andre. Darlene said, that's gross. Our fathers aren't that kind of people. I have it, said Josh's son, Gerald. Now is the time for you two to make a bucket list. Josh asked, what the heck is a bucket list? Abe replied, Marie drugged me to see a movie some time ago about these guys who had some kind of bucket list. I think they went all over the country doing all kinds of dumb things. It doesn't have to be dumb, Edward Abe's son said. Darlene said, it's the latest thing. When people get, pardon the phrase, a little older, they start to ask questions like Uncle Abe just asked. Where to from here? The answer is a bucket list. You sit down and think about things which have crossed your mind to do but just never had the time to do them. Edward piped in with, the bucket list items don't have to be things you really thought of doing necessarily. They could be things you read about in the paper, like the woman who swam from Cuba to the U.S. I don't swim that well, said Josh. 
Gerald cut in. No, no, it doesn't have to be like that. It should be something two healthy, strong guys like you might take on as a challenge. I know. Let's work up a bucket list for you two, Abe said. I did ask what comes after 65. The kids say it's a bucket list. I'm willing to let them work something up. How about you, Josh? After thinking a bit, Josh said, Okay, I'm in. But this list better be something us 65-year-old guys can do without killing ourselves. The cousins made plans to work on the bucket list. As the sun started to drop behind the coastal range and the usual evening breeze picked up, Josh and his family said goodbye and piled into their SUV to head home. Darlene's family headed down the road to their home. Abe, Marie, and their two children went indoors. Their two grandkids were still absorbed in their computer games. Gerald, Josh's son, was an attorney and worked for a law firm in San Francisco. He was married and had two children. Darlene, Josh's daughter, was the only girl among the cousins. She had majored in agriculture and become firmly entrenched in helping Josh and Abe in running the day-to-day operations. She was married and had one child. She and her husband had built a home about halfway between the homes of Josh and Abe. Abe's son, Andre, was a tech entrepreneur who lived in a condo in San Jose. He was very single. His mother, Marie, often reminded him of that being single issue. Edward, Abe's other son, lived in Los Angeles. He was an investment banker. He was married and had one child. Over the months, the cousins communicated via tweeting, emails, texting, and an occasional phone call to develop a bucket list for their dads. It wasn't as simple as it seemed. They came up with at least 15 items, but after further tweeting, they couldn't come to a consensus. The one thing they did agree on was that there were too many. Gerald suggested they get together for a day in San Francisco, have dinner, and really take their tasks seriously. In their meeting, they eliminated such things as travel to all 50 states, climb Half Dome, and sail around the world. They tried to come up with ideas which were interesting, which their dads could do without traveling all over the country. They agreed to come up with four items for the bucket list. The first item placed on the list was to learn to play golf. This was Gerald's idea. He played golf a couple of times a month and had taught himself to play golf when he was at Fresno State. He and a few of his buddies used to play an occasional round. Most of the time they played at Airways, but occasionally they played around at Palm Lakes or the Riverside Golf Course. He made it clear that he couldn't teach their dads to play because he was a typical self-taught hacker with all of the hackers' faults. The second item they agreed on was for their dads to get a motorcycle license. This was Andre's suggestion. He had thought of getting a license and had considered getting a bike. Before he moved to San Jose, he had gone as far as to look up some of the motorcycle schools in the valley, which had programs to obtain a motorcycle license. He had not pursued it because at the time it was a low priority. The third item to be added was to learn to ski. This was Darlene's suggestion. She and Gerald were skiers. Both of them had taken lessons and really liked swooshing down the hill, the wind in their face and their ski edges digging into the snow on the turns. They convinced the group that the lessons were not that difficult. They did agree, like anything, it took time to develop the skills. They just wanted their dads to become proficient enough to go down a moderate hill. In the beginning, it was agreed that they would come up with four items for the bucket list. It was really difficult for them to come up with that last item. They finally agreed to add skydiving. The closing argument was the fact that the older President Bush had done a tandem jump on his 80th birthday. It couldn't be that hard if an 80-year-old guy can do it. Also, one of the siblings had heard of a skydiving school in Madeira. That would make it very convenient. They were going to check it out before they finished the list. Josh and Abe sat quietly studying the bucket list which their children had presented to them.
Their mothers had a copy of the list, too. They were sitting there chuckling as they went through it. Sarah said, Josh, so you are going to parachute. The highest I ever saw you jump was when that rattlesnake leaped at you. There were a number of muffled chuckles in the room. Josh looked up at the expectant faces and said, How in the world did you come up with this list? Edward said, Uncle Josh, you don't know how hard we were to come up with this. He went on to explain the key considerations where the items should be interesting. They didn't want them to have to travel too far to engage in them, and they were things which neither of them had done. For sure, I have never jumped from a plane before, said Abe. I've seen those guys jump out of perfectly good airplanes and air shows, and I thought they must be nuts. Do I look nuts? Andre said, Dad, that's a whole different kind of parachuting. You will have a proficient instructor with you who will do all of the technical stuff. All you have to do is enjoy sailing through the air, looking down on us earthlings. I haven't seen you up there looking down on us earthlings, replied Abe. Sarah piped in. Come on, you guys, buck up. You can see the kids worked hard on coming up with these ideas. Give it a shot. It's not going to kill you. Josh said, Honey, I don't see your bucket list. There were more muffled chuckles. After more discussion, angst, and arm twisting, Abe and Josh agreed to give the bucket list a try. Since Darlene lived in the valley, she agreed to do the initial contact and set up the four bucket list items with the various agencies. Darlene contacted the pro at Riverside Golf Course to set up lessons for her dad and uncle. On the day of their first lesson, Abe and Josh met with the instructor in the clubhouse. The cousins had agreed that they would wait until the end of their father's lessons and Gerald would play around with them while the others followed along. The instructor gave them the basic introduction. He explained that normally a player would have a set of about 13 golf clubs from the driver to the putter. He told them each club was expected to hit a ball a certain distance. However, he made it very clear this can vary from player to player. He said, the key to being a good player is to know what you can do with your clubs. He took them out to the driving range and told them the basics of the golf game. He showed them how to grip the club, address the ball, and swing. Over and over, he coached them to keep that left arm straight on their swing. He had them use all of the clubs, showing them how to place the ball toward the left heel for the longer clubs and more toward the center for their stance for the shorter clubs. His last instructions dealt with the putter. He showed them how to grip the putter, line up the putt, and keeping the head still, strike the ball. Like all beginners, Abe and Josh were topping the ball, hitting it left and right, and becoming frustrated. But after the third lesson, they began to develop a little confidence. By the end of the fourth lesson, they were starting to challenge each other as to who could hit the ball the farthest. The last lesson was a round of golf with the pro. They were laughing and having fun. Abe shot 119, but Josh was able to beat him by one stroke. They finished the game at the 19th hole, the bar. After a couple of drinks, they agreed golf could be fun. They decided to play one more round by themselves before telling Gerald to join them. On their second round, Josh shot 112, and Abe shot the low score of a 109. He was elated. Josh and Abe were looking forward to playing around with Gerald. The moment of truth had arrived. Abe and Josh insisted Gerald go first. The remaining three cousins waited anxiously as their fathers lined up the first tee for their drive. Abe hit his drive. It didn't go quite as far as Gerald's, but it was in the fairway. Gerald's ball was in the trees on the right side of the fairway. Josh hit his drive, and he landed in the middle of the fairway past both Abe and Gerald's drive. This pattern continued throughout the day. The three cousins were cheering their fathers and booing Gerald. 
At the end of the day, Abe had 109, Gerald had 104, and Josh had 107. There was a lot of hugging and cheering all around, and the day finally ended on the 19th hole. It was February. Darlene knew she had to get her dads lined up for their ski lessons before the skiing season came to an end. She made arrangements with the instructors at the China Peak Ski Resort for lessons. She scheduled their lessons during the week to avoid the crowds. Darlene, Abe, and Josh drove up to China Peak. Darlene helped Abe and Josh pick out their rental skis, shoes, and poles. On the way out to meet the instructor, Abe mimicked the Frankenstein walk in his clumsy ski boots. Josh and Darlene applauded his acting skills. They were in a class of six people. The instructor demonstrated how to bend their knees, lean forward, and push off with their poles. After moving forward a few times, turning around and coming back, she then told them how to use their ski edges to turn. She demonstrated this to them by using her poles to accelerate and change directions with her edges. She then took them to the bunny hill, where she led them down the hill a number of times, showing them how to use their poles and ski edges to traverse the hill back and forth. Both Abe and Josh fell a couple of times before they got a little comfortable. The instructor then took them to the practice hill. It did not have a lift chair, but it had a tow rope that pulled a skier up to the top of the hill. Neither Abe nor Josh thought it was too difficult. However, when they arrived at the top of the hill and looked down, everything looked far away. The instructor told them to follow her as she pushed off with her poles down the hill. The six students pushed off behind her. She slowly moved from left to right across the hill as they descended. There were a couple of plateaus where they had to straighten out in order to get over the hump and continue their descent. At the bottom of the hill, their instructor applauded them and told them to practice until they felt comfortable enough to take a chair up to test their skills on an intermediate hill. In other words, they were now on their own. Darlene joined them, and they went over to one of the lifts she had chosen. She told them this lift would take them up to the top of a nice moderate hill to help them in honing their skills. When they got to the top, they had to quickly clear the lift chairs and pull away to keep from holding up those behind them who were exiting the chairs. The dads looked down but couldn't see the bottom like at the practice hill. All they could see were skiers going down the trail, disappearing from sight around the first curve. Following Darlene, they launched themselves down the hill using their edges to follow the turns, and in a few minutes the bottom of the hill was in sight. They made it to the bottom with no spills and a few bobbles. At the bottom of the hill, Abe and Josh gave each other a high-five hand slap. The three of them took two more runs down the hill before the day was over. When they arrived home, Abe and Josh spent the rest of the evening telling their wives of their accomplishments. Darlene sent an email to her siblings telling them of Abe and Josh's success. They called their dads, complimenting them on what they had done. At the office, Abe and Josh talked about their bucket list. They shared their experiences with their employees. Their employees encouraged them to keep on going. Abe said, You know, I might just take up golf. Josh said, Golf is okay, but I am not going to be skiing that much. I don't like cold. Darlene typed motorcycle training on her keyboard. Under that heading was Valley Motorcycle Training. They were located in Fresno, so she called them. They told her they provided 15 hours of training, consisting of one classroom session and two riding sessions. They also provided helmets and motorcycles. She had them email her their schedule. Josh and Abe selected a training session and signed up for it. Darlene could see that they were really starting to enjoy their commitment to their bucket list. On a Friday evening, Josh and Abe showed up for their classroom session. The instructor went through the DMV motorcycle riding code. Then he went through a sample of the test questions. At the end of the session, they were given the written test. 
The test was pretty straightforward. Both of them passed the test. Josh missed four of the 25 questions, and Abe only missed two. He couldn't stop giving Josh a big knowing smile until Josh told him to stuff it. The instructor pointed out that, except for very slow speeds like in a parking lot, you turn a motorcycle by pushing down on the handlebar. He demonstrated by standing up, bending over, and pushing forward with one arm and then the other. He said, it sounds a little confusing now, but when we get on the bikes, it will come to you. He then took them outside to the practice area where the motorcycles were. The instructor got on a bike and demonstrated how to start it. He showed them how to hold the clutch in with the left hand while pressing down into first gear with the left foot. He then released the clutch slightly, gave it some throttle, and the bike began to move. He immediately picked up his feet and placed them on the pegs. He pressed the clutch, applied the brakes with his right hand and right foot, and brought the bike to a stop. The instructor had the students mount their bikes, and he led them through this exercise a number of times. He then showed them how to shift up to second gear, and before they knew it, they were winding around behind the instructor in the practice area. A number of students killed their engines or dropped their bikes, but Abe and Josh didn't suffer any of those mishaps because their experience in handling all kinds of farm equipment helped them conquer the little practice bikes. The following day was the big moment of truth. All four cousins had come down to see their dads take the final test. Marie and Sarah were there, too. A number of relatives and friends of the other students were there to watch the final test as well. The students were allowed to practice for a while, and then they were given the final writing test. Everyone, both the guys and the girls, did fine until the last guy came to a final stop and his bike fell over. All of the students didn't think it was fair, but he was failed. He would have to take the final test another day. Josh and Abe's children applauded and cheered their dads when they came out of the classroom, waving their certificates of completion. That evening, over dinner at the Elbow Room, Abe and Josh were toasted. Everyone expressed their amazement as to how well Josh and Abe had taken on their bucket list. Darlene was on the computer again. She typed in Madera Skydiving, and one of the items which appeared was Madera Skydiving Center. She gave them a call and was told that a tandem jump could be set up for any time. The participant could have a one-hour training ground session and would then be taken via one of their jump planes to 10,000 feet where the jump would occur. There would be about 40 seconds of free fall before the instructor opens their chute. Darlene stuck her head into her father's office and said, Let's go to Uncle Abe's office. They entered Abe's office and sat down. Abe said, What's on your mind, kid? Darlene gave a knowing laugh and asked, you want to go skydiving? Oh, boy, here it comes, exclaimed Josh. Darlene shared with them what she had obtained from the skydiving rep. Abe and Josh tossed the information around, trying to get some kind of assurance as to what it feels like to jump out of a perfectly good airplane at 10,000 feet. Finally, Josh said, well, this ain't no ride on a 250cc motorcycle, but I guess it's time for the big one. Abe responded, I didn't sign any contract when I said I would do the bucket list. Josh said, yeah, that's true, but your word of honor is more binding than any old contract. You guys are great, said Darlene. I'll set it up with a skydiving club. All of the family was there again, full of anticipation, as Abe and Josh entered the hangar for their ground training session. The instructors had them put on the jump overalls, and then they put a harness on each of them. The instructors stood behind them and attached their harness to Abe and Josh's harness. They were told to put their arms up and out and to spread their legs, which is the position they will take after the exit from the plane. 
The instructors disconnected their harness. They said they would reconnect when they were in the plane. One of the instructors said they would open a small parachute after leaving the plane to stabilize their descent. Then they would free fall until it was time to open the main chute. They were told to lift their legs up straight out as they approached the ground for landing. Abe and Josh marched out to the plane, a Cessna 206. The engine was running. They waved to their family members as they boarded the plane. Everyone waved back and gave them a thumbs up. The instructors placed them in position and hooked up their harnesses. The plane taxied out to the runway and took off. There was too much noise from the engine to talk. Josh and Abe just watched the earth slipping away. It seemed to take forever for them to reach 10,000 feet. Abe's instructor yelled, We are going first! He pulled on the side of the open doorway, and they were out. Abe felt a rush of air on his face. He felt a small jerk, which he assumed was the opening of the smaller chute. The instructor said to spread, and Abe spread his legs and arms out. Abe was surprised by how quiet it was. He felt like he was suspended rather than falling through space. Just as Abe thought of Josh, his instructor tapped him on the shoulder and pointed to his left. Abe looked, and just a little above them floated Josh. Josh was waving his hand, and Abe tried to wave back. Abe's instructor popped their chute. Soon they were approaching the landing site. Abe raised up his legs, and the instructor brought them to a stop and told Abe to put his legs down. As soon as he was uncoupled, he ran over to Josh, who had also landed, and gave him a good old-fashioned hug. After shedding their jump gear, they exited the hangar. The grandkids came running up to hug them, followed by the rest of the family. Gerald exclaimed, You guys are just too much. Everyone had to have a handshake and a hug. The celebration for the completion of the bucket list was held at Josh and Sarah's home. A few days after the celebration, Abe walked into Josh's office and plopped into a chair. He asked, Want to play a round of golf? Josh gave him a quizzical look and said, Well, the bucket list is over. I really mean it. I kind of got hooked on golf. Josh replied, I wouldn't mind playing a little. It wasn't that hard to learn. I'm sure glad you said that because we have a tea time at Pebble Beach. Are you joking? Josh asked. We don't have any clubs or golf shoes. When we took the lessons, we had to rent clubs and play in our tennis shoes. Don't worry. Hey, aren't we twins? So what fits me fits you. I bought each of us a set of clubs. We can pick up some shoes before we leave. I cleared the date with Sarah before I set this up. Josh sat back in his chair and said, I guess we are off to Pebble Beach. In the bar at the course, I heard some golfers say everyone should play Pebble before they die. I hope this is not a premonition. Both of them got a laugh out of that. As Abe got up to leave, he said, Josh, I wonder what the kids have in store for us when we turn 70. After Abe had left the office, Josh thought, it better be as much fun as our bucket list. Send me a postcard, drop me a line, stating point of view. Indicate precisely what you mean to say, you're sincerely wasting away. That was Don Weaver reading Bucket List. Here we learned about Josh and Abe, 
two well-to-do identical twins who just celebrated their 65th birthday. Well, these two gentlemen figured that since they had just about done every great thing there is to do in life, they would ask their relatives to come up with a bucket list which would contain some new things they could do to enjoy life even more. And sure enough, the relatives came up with four new things. One, learn how to play golf. Two, learn how to ski. Three, learn how to ride a motorcycle. And four, enjoy jumping out of an airplane at 10,000 feet. And as we heard, they accomplished and enjoyed all that. Friends, our author tonight, whom we've had on numerous times, is Oscar G. Williams. He lives in Fresno and has written two books, A Token View from Inside the IRS and Flying High. He's also been a guest columnist for the Fresno Bee, and he attributes much of his success as a writer to the classes he's taken from one of our other popular authors, Bonnie Hearn Hill. Thanks, Oscar, for letting us experience the things to do on that bucket list which those elderly twins seem to be enjoying so much. Hope you're working on some more stories for us for seasons to come. And so we come to the close of another edition of Valley Writers Read. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear tonight's or any other Valley Writers Read story again, just get online at kvpr.org and click on to Valley Writers Read. Next week, our writer-reader will be Bonnie Hearn Hill. In the meantime, this is your host, Franz Weinschenk, wishing you and yours a great life story until we meet again. Good night. Valley Writers Read is a production of Valley Public Radio produced by Don Weaver and Franz Weinschenk. Please join us again next Wednesday at 7 p.m. for another edition of Valley Writers Read. <laughs>